Chucking It From The Cheap Seats is the newest podcast covering high school basketball. Head coach Josh Thompson interviews some of the most impactful people who make Hoosier hysteria great. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe to Chucking It From The Cheap Seats wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our next guest on the Chucking It From The Cheap Seats podcast. An Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Famer who led Jeffersonville in 1993 to one of Indiana's most famous high school basketball state championships. He's now the director of the Indiana All-Star Basketball Series. Let's welcome to the podcast, Coach Mike Broughton. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, and shooting camps can improve performance for you. View Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest individual basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts. D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps have hosted more high school sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp shootout or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school coach to work with all their teams in its top-tier competition from the Okay, so today on the Chucking It From The Cheap Seats podcast brought to you by the Bari Media Class, we are blessed to have Mike Broughton, uh, who is a former head coach in the state of Indiana, uh, very instrumental in working with the IBCA, so a lot of coaches around the state know Mike from that. But more recently, he has taken over the reins of the Indiana All-Star Series and uh, the coordination of everything that goes into that. So, Coach Broughton, thank you for taking your time and being with us on the podcast today. Well, thank you very much for the invite. I love to talk basketball, and you guys have a lot of great basketball teams down in that area. Yes, we do. You know, before we went on the podcast, you know, you talked about the fact that we have been fortunate enough to play at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, North Davies won a state championship, and Coach Dalrymple last year um, had a great team. They're going to have another great team this year. Uh, And, you said you were excited because the All-Star Series gets to return back to Gamebridge this year. Well, right now we're working with the Pacers and working with Gamebridge to see if we can afford to go back. Mm-hmm. And we hope uh, Southport's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southport did a great job while we were involved in COVID. The game's been at Banker's Life for Gamebridge for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And with the, you know, the different things that uh, – they were doing at Gamebridge to fix the arena, the $350 million renovation. We were kind of told to find another place. And Mr. Mapes, superintendent, was nice enough at Southport to give us a great place to play. But now there's a decision that we have to make in the next month or so, whether we stay at Southport with the game mm-hmm. or move it back to Gamebridge. And I think uh, the players, if it's for the kids, if it's for the players, I think they all like Southport. But I think it's a goal of many kids across the state to be able to put their tennis shoes on and play at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Absolutely. And and we would be remiss, and I think you did a tremendous job there of talking about how great Southport has been. It's a ter- terrific venue as a high school gym, and they have been nothing but gracious to the All-Stars. And, and everything there has been first class. I've been to both of the games that were at South Southport, and they did a phenomenal job. Well, they have done – Mr. Mapes was an old basketball coach and then superintendent. I've known him for a long time, and without his expertise and help, uh, I think the series might have ended. Mm-hmm. And we're on for number 83, and it's like I've told people in the last month, uh, the Indiana All-Star Kentucky game started in 1939. So it's fought through a world war, and it's fought through COVID. And it's fought through a lot of different things. The state's done now. It used to be one class, and now it's class. And so the game stays the same through all of this. And so we hope uh, 17 years from now it'll be 100 years old. And I even was 
uh, talked to a reporter the other day that talked about Mr. Basketball's in Indiana, that the Mr. Basketball was 10 years before any other state had a Mr. Basketball. The second state to have Mr. Basketball was uh, California and Kentucky, and that was about seven or eight years after Indiana. So it's a national kind of tradition for the best high school player in Indiana, the Miss Basketball and Mr. Basketball. So one thing we have in Indiana is a lot of tradition, and we're trying to hold on to it. Absolutely, Coach, that's for sure. Coach, you've been a big part of the tradition of Indiana high school basketball, and, and now you're you're heading up the Indiana All-Stars, which is kind of the epitome of that, that tradition in the state. But explain to us your journey as a high school basketball coach and even maybe step back uh, before that to your playing days and, and growing up in the state of Indiana. Well, I got a taste of it. I was from Hebron High School. We had it in Rome. Well, my graduating class was 67 uh-huh. kids, and so I was small school Indiana. It was in northern Indiana, and they had won a sectional in 1953. Mm-hmm. And my senior year, 1973, we won a sectional in northern Indiana and got beat in the Lafayette Regional. And to this day, I tell people that, uh, you know, I, I did scouting reports to try to beat Kansas University. And I coached in the state finals three different times, but nothing was greater in my mind. The image of a small school at that time mm-hmm. beating larger schools to win a sectional in Indiana, which was what a lot of you down south did with the Paoli Regional back in the day. Mm-hmm. There were small school teams in one class that would have a ticket to the semi-state every year and put their best against you know, some of the bigger schools. Mm-hmm. So I got to live a little bit of the Hoosiers thing, uh, the movie to a point. And so I started coaching uh, in 1977, and I was a head basketball coach at Hebron. I was at Rushville High School. I was at Castle High School in Newburgh, Indiana. And I finished my high school uh, coaching at Jeffersonville, I guess, from 1990 to 2000. Uh, we won the most games, 210. We lost 39. And I went to the final four, four different times. I guess I wasn't that great a coach because I only won the state once. But <laughs> It's still pretty impressive happened, to get there four times. What happened was, uh, you know, uh, once you won the state at that time before class sports, class basketball, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize when I won that that fraternity uh, was 61 coaches yeah out of all the years of indiana high school basketball there was 61 of us that won so from there i went to university of nebraska with coach collier i was the ops director and i also was the second assistant at the university of nebraska mm-hmm. and i was about three and a half years or so and then i became the head coach at a school in oklahoma city southern nazarene university and i was there for uh six six and a half years and then came back and i was an administrator here in Southern Indiana, an athletic director. And uh, the year I retired, uh, Mr. Whitty asked me if I would take over the all-star directorship and mm-hmm. be involved in the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association because one of my duties after I finished coaching was I was on the IHSA Board of Directors mm-hmm. and kind of uh, put in some of the rules, good or bad. I, I was one that was instrumental in Having 22 games instead of 20, mm-hmm. I was interested in the success factor and some of the other things that went on at that time. But uh, love Indiana basketball, love uh, what it does for kids. I love the smiles. I love what you as coaches teach these kids. They don't get it sometimes at home now as much as they used to. And I think uh, yourself there at Bar Reed, you've been very successful and. You're not only a coach, but you put on different hats. You're a teacher. You're a coach. You're uh, sometimes a counselor. Uh, you have to show kindness. Your family's involved. Uh, coaching is a full-time profession because of the society we live in. Absolutely. Coach, you, you, about 1977, correct, Hebron High School, where you, when you became a head coach? I was the best. Let's see. I was 76. 77, 78, I was the uh, assistant at Kankakee Valley under Gene Miller, who's at Washington. I and was, then in 
79-80, I was the head coach at Hebron High School. That okay. was my first okay. job. And I was going to ask you because I thought you had been an assistant for Gene, and he's still coaching. <laughs> but there's uh, a few, there's a few of them left. Yeah. But every year there's less and less, and uh, but I think that guys like Gene Miller uh, that have been involved for a number of years that they've done, they've done a quality job in passing the heritage on to the next generation of coaches. Yes, they have. And I know instead of me worrying about what happened back in the day or what I did, I'm constantly talking to coaches. What do we? What do you guys want done? Like with the All Star Game, mm -hmm. how do? You, what do you want done? What's the future? You know, what's the future with all this? And I speak at clinics. I speak at banquets. I uh, speak all around the state, different things, asking really. Let's don't worry so much about what happened in the past. It was great. Mm -hmm. Let's just figure out what we're going to do for the kids of Indiana for the future. And Gene is instrumental, I'm sure, in helping a lot of coaches down in southern Indiana. And we're proud of southern Indiana. And, you know, your area right there, uh, Miss Coach Dow Ripple was an eighth grader at Rushville when I left. I, he was one of the guys, the kids that I was looking forward to coaching, and I left him uh, because he lived about seven miles from the school, and we had basketball camp in the summer. And he's the only one that rode his bike all the way in and back home. That does not and, surprise me the least bit, least bit uh, with Coach Dalrymple doing that. And so with you guys, and you know, actually the, I mean, I saw a hundred games last year. So the best basketball game I saw all year was Edinburgh against North Davies at Edinburgh in February, and Coach Dalrymple invited me to come down, talk to the team for a few minutes, which I was. I thought it was an honor to do. And then that game was a couple-point game. And when I walked in there, it brought me back to the old days of a gym being totally full. And mm -hmm. the gym was full for the JV game. And Edinburgh had a quality team. And North Davies had a quality team. And uh, I knew you had a good team. And it's kind of what basketball is about. And Southern Indiana is kind of holding that right now because a number of the small schools still have you know, draw great crowds. Absolutely. Great crowds. And, you know, you, you talked about Coach Miller. One of my favorite nights of the entire year is that night before Thanksgiving when we go over to the Hatchet House every year and compete against Gene's teams. And we'll have 6,000, 6,500 people there on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And, you know, people tell me all the time that Indiana high school basketball and Hoosier hysteria is not what it used to be and it's dead and, I said, hey, just come to the Hatchet House. Come to the Buggy Bowl game with us and North Davies. Come to our game with Lagoti. It is, it is not dead. And I appreciate the things that you said about, hey, let's look toward the future. I mean, the past is great, and let's embrace those things that were really good about the past, but let's continue to make the game better. And you, you talked about how Coach Miller is one of those guys driving that. Um, some of my favorite basketball times, Coach, are – uh, the times where we have meetings in Indianapolis and I get to sit in the car for two hours and talk basketball on the way up and on the way home with Gene Miller. He, he's a, he's a true gem in the game. Now there's a, uh, you know, the people that taught me the Johnny Barrados and the uh, Virgil Sweets and uh, the different people like that, that were involved in my time that kind of taught me the same lessons that, Gene and and hopefully some of us are passing on. You know, we always were told. In fact, Virgil, he I was a young coach and he was helping me along. And he said, Mike, uh, he goes, the blueprint that I wish I would have followed would have been uh, coach your high school teams. If you get fortunate enough to win the state or get close to winning the state, go on to college, see what it's like because you'll be surprised. You'll know a lot more than most people think you'll know and then after college come back to indiana and uh give back to the basketball of the state and so the other day i saw him he's like 92 he goes mike he followed my words pretty well didn't you and i go yes <laughs> i can but i go you're still giving back at 90 some so i said i figure i can give back at 60 but it's a you know it's a fraternity and it's just something that as i retire I just, yeah, I, I just want to 
I just want to help where I can until mm-hmm. I can't help anymore. But it's uh, been a good life. I don't know if I'm the richest guy in the world, but it was a good life because uh, you just make a difference with a number of people. And uh, good Lord willing, um, we can c- continue to do that as the uh, you know as the years go by. There's a lot you can learn from uh, uh, playing any kind of sport in high school. Coach, I know you, you touched on this a little bit about your ten, tenure at Jeffersonville. One of the things that I was reading in preparation for today's podcast, I was looking at some of the stuff about you when you were inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And one of the impressive statistics that popped out to me was that from 1990 to 2000, uh, your Jeff teams were 210 and 40. Um, and that was the, the best record in the state of Indiana during that time. And then you obviously won the state championship in 1993. Just talk a little bit about that 93 team and, and how dominant you guys were during that span because the other part of you being that dominant is you weren't playing Sisters of the Poor. You were playing one of the best schedules in the state. Yeah, you know, uh, Southern Indiana in the one-class system had had a few state champions. Uh, uh, Bedford and the, the Evansville Bossy had won back in the 60s, and there had been the Vincennes. But Jefferson, New Albany had won the state. Jeffersonville had been there seven times, and they'd never won. And George Marshall uh, was one of the famous coaches before I got there. And he got to the finals three times and was runner-up once. And so, uh, you know, I took the job at Jeff in 1990, and the goal was, of course, every year there, you just try to get to the finals. I mean, Mm-hmm. Just tried to get as far along. So uh, 91-92 was my best team. And I got beat by Richmond in double overtime, George Griffith. And it was score. the score was 94-92. to 92, So it, it showed I could teach offense, but maybe not too much. <laughs> but, uh, we got beat in overtime. Uh-huh. And had uh, my two guards in 93 coming back were uh, Wilkerson and Flynn, and one went to Louisville and the other played at Indiana. I was going to say, that's had, a pretty good backcourt. <laughs> I had a kid on the inside, Brian Hanley, that mm-hmm. ended up playing uh, for Kansas State in football. He was mm-hmm. offered at Notre Dame. He went to Xavier and played basketball for a year, but he was a bigger kid mm-hmm. and ended up switching over to football. And so we had – it's the only team – besides Marion uh, with Lyndon Jones and Edwards that all five of the starters made the silver anniversary team. That's pretty cool. They're teams in the history of Indiana and that's mine and Marion. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we kind of faced everybody that was any good. Uh, You know, we, uh, we were 29 and two, we lost to Richmond Mm -hmm. and the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And then we lost to a team out of Kentucky uh, St. Xavier, and that was in February. And uh, after that, um, we were fortunate enough. We won the sectional and the regional fairly easy. In fact, the toughest game we played up to the state finals was White River Valley was a consolidation. And Coach Clark, mm-hmm. I don't know, they had four Division One players. It was a smaller school, but they had four. They had the grades, and they had a really good team. And we beat them by two points in the semi-state final. Mm-hmm. South St. Joe, we beat in the afternoon. I think we scored about 87 or 88 points. And then that night, uh, we faced Ben Davis. They were, you know, a team that just kept knocking on the door in the 90s. And uh, it was kind of them and us. I think we probably together, I think Ben Davis and us made seven trips to the finals between 90 and 96. So there wasn't a lot of other teams getting to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we played, we trailed most of the game and were fortunate, uh, uh, made a couple baskets late and got the game tied and we held the ball the last two minutes and uh, got fouled at a kid at the free throw line, Corey Norman, who ended up, his daddy uh, played for New Albany when they won the state. Okay. And he missed out of two free throws and then Brian Hanley got the rebound on the second miss and the three point lead was the biggest we had, but as you know, by going to the state finals, any lead's a good lead. And so <laughs> yes. uh, we went to the finals in 90, uh, 91, 92, went to the finals in 92, 93, and won it. Mm-hmm. Went back to the finals in 95. Got beat by Ben Davis in the afternoon game. And then in 2000, the last year, it was in class. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we got to the final four. I beat Warren Central in the afternoon at Hinkle mm-hmm. and lost to May and Jeffries um, 59-58 that night. And then they played Randolph and Marion for the state championship the next week. So we had four trips, uh, two trips. I could have won it. The other two trips, we played way beyond what our abilities were, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just a good time. We, uh, the, the people asked me, even I had an assistant commissioner ask me a few years ago, they go, we see this game on tape. Was it as fun as they are today? And I go, it's probably no more fun than the coaches are having today. They're having just as much fun. But I go, when I walked into the Hoosier Dome that day, there was 30,500 people in the afternoon, and there was another 30,000 at night. And I said, at least 15,000 was hoping I was lo- would lose. So <laughs> it, it was a pretty wild. The crowd was, I think it was the third largest. Bailey's was the largest, but I think ours was the second or third largest. So it was a different time. But uh, I don't think it was any more important to me than it was for you when you won the state a couple of years ago or Dow Ripple or anybody else, you mm-hmm. know, it's just the experience that uh, you just hope during your lifetime as a coach, you get a chance to do. And a lot of coaches are really, really good and they don't get that chance. So yeah, absolutely. You, you talked about 32,000 there. I remember being there as a, as a kid, 92 and 93 and, and, you know, having the dreams and aspirations of being on that floor at one point in time. And then, as luck would have it, in 98, the first year of class basketball, I was fortunate enough to play for Ron McBride at Bloomfield, and we advanced to the, to the class state finals. Were you, a, were you a, an advocate or were you an opponent of the class system, Coach? You know, uh, I guess that kind of changed over time. But in the 90s, uh, I started at a real small school and, mm-hmm. and worked my way to Jeffersonville and I just didn't think there was anything ever better. Yeah. And to this day, I don't think there's anything that ever compared to the one class in Indiana from 1911 to 1997. But in saying that, when I was on the ISSA board and I would be on the field or court Mm -hmm. or whatever, given the medals for the state championships, you know, the various sports, Mm -hmm. uh, I can't say that one class isn't better. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, but I can say that the joy I see in those kids' faces when they win a state championship is, uh, you know, something they wouldn't have had a chance to do most likely in the one class. So it has its pros and cons. I think it's, you know, the one class now has been out of existence for 25 years, and there's a lot of older people that remember it, and there was great teams and great memories, but. You know, the state, we're on a new track now. And I think, you know, you, you, you just want to make this, this, the four classes, or, you know, they're talking about possibly more classes, mm-hmm. I guess, that you want to make it the best it can possibly be. Absolutely. And, and I think you said it best earlier in the podcast when you talked about, hey, this is what it is. And let's make the future as good as we possibly can. And yeah, the past was special and the one class. Uh, tournament there will there will never be anything like that Uh, and we're definitely not going back like you said we're probably moving toward at least a fifth class what are some of your thoughts on that coach well I'm really not too big for this I think what happens is after four classes if you have more than four I think what's going to happen is you've created rivalries over 25 years in these various sectionals Mm -hmm. the four classes and so if you take away as put a fifth class in there, a sixth class. Now you're going to have new rivalries. You're going to have new situations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to cause people, especially with the economy, the way it is, they're going to have to drive farther to the game. Yeah. And they're going to have, they're going to lose touch with high school sports. And what I've come across, you know, like there's 12 of us living from the past that are still alive that have won. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed, uh, you know, to a point is, People will come up to me and, and know the, my name of my players because we averaged 87 points a game that year or whatever, and they'll remember that, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But they get confused on who won in some of these other years. Yeah. And so I think it only makes it worse if, they beca- if there becomes more of that. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of in favor. If I was on the board still, I've been off the board three years. 
But I would be in favor of having the four classes and having the fourth class, 4A, be maybe the top 32 or top 36 schools in the state, the Mm -hmm. large schools, the real large schools, and then divide the other three or the other 340 teams or whatever there is into the other three classes. Mm -hmm. Then you would create closer proximity sectional games with teams because you would condense it. And, you know, it's like your team. You guys were really good. You won the state. You won the state pretty easy that that game. And if your class had 100 schools in it, if that had 130 schools instead of 100, I don't think it would have made any difference. You guys were the best team. And I think it would create uh, more interest because some of the schools that may not be in your division now would be in that division. Mm-hmm. And I think there was nothing greater. I mean, I watched the game, so, I mean, I'm old. But that Paoli, uh, that Washington Regional, where the schools would come out of Washington and go to the Evansville Cemetery, if you would condense those 1A, 2A, 3A into having 130 teams instead of 100 or whatever, mm-hmm. 120, you would create more rivalry, and I think you would create more of that atmosphere like at Washington. Uh, I, I really believe that. But if it goes to five or six, the only thing I tell my wife is you get so many winners then that they just remember us few old guys from back in the day. I yeah. mean, that's what it really comes down to. So I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know your thoughts, but. I think you, there comes a point where you can water it down too much. Yeah, no, to where I, the team when the championship aren't that good a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I agree with what you said too, especially with today's economy being what it is and the inc- increased travel distance. For example, you you talked about you were the head coach at Castle High School. If Castle goes into this, you know, super class or the the class of thirty two, which they are right there on the cusp. Of, and enrollment wise, they could be driving to Bloomington for a sectional game. And you know, how many people right. how many people are gonna do that on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night? Uh just makes it really tough travel wise. No, I think there's certain school well, it's what I've always said whenever people would come to me and ask me the question you ask about the difference. And I said, What we've done in Indiana is we've just changed the winners. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, there's more chance for, I mean, you look at the schools that, the little schools that used to go to the Anderson sectional. Well, to beat Norm Held at Anderson was something that probably wasn't going to happen. So it created more of a possibility for those smaller schools, the Franktons and those schools like that, to have a chance to win. But I think you get into a point, and I think it's going to hurt the coaches, and I've been preaching this a little bit, that if you go to five or six classes, then the communities I'm not saying I'm not saying your community or any specific community but those communities they're going to put the pressure on the coach like they used to at Jeffersonville when I was there saying you know the season's going to not be a success unless you get to the semi-state yeah I don't think that the coach I don't think the coaches want that type of pressure now I can remember getting the vote at Jeffersonville the night of the vote uh, the final four for the job at Jeff was Gene Miller, myself, uh, Brady, and Jones from mm-hmm. Terre Haute. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to get the job. But when I took the job, I got a five to two vote, and I never met a board member because they said if you lose the new <laughs> or the three times in a row, we're going to fire you. Oh. Fortunately, and what they said was true, and yeah. the fact that during the 90s there, I, I think I beat Jeff, I think I beat New Albany 17 out of 20. Yeah. And they had three different coaches while I was the same coach. Well, in the last 20 years, New Albany has beaten Jeff much more than the other way. And so they've had the same coach at New Albany. He does a great job. And Jeff's had 11 coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't think the small schools, I don't think they want to go through that. No. I, so where I, the expectations are right. so high that, well, you know, if you don't go to the Sima State every year, it's a failure. So I think there's a lot of negatives to this. I don't know which way it's going to go. It'll be interesting how to vote. But, you know, you as a coach, your principal, I know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I think even Coach Shannon at New Albany that had success, you know, they all have to make those decisions as well. And I hope that the decisions are made what's best for Indiana high school basketball instead of what's best for one school. And I think that's what I worry about. You've got to kind of take your situation and put it to the side and kind of decide, you know, what's best for the next 25 years. Absolutely. So. And we've, we've also got enough. We talked to um, the assistant about this, but the change in the, um, the structure of the tournament. So now your regionals will be one game regionals again, and the semi-states will be two games involving four teams uh, with the current class structure. What are your thoughts on that? Just real quick, coach. Well, I thought the regional was the big week of the year. Mm -hmm. And that's where there was still, the regionals were close enough that there was um, still some rivalry. Yeah. So now with the semi-state, you're going to be a lot farther away and playing teams that, you know, you've heard of, but don't know a lot about. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's the negative, but the positive thing is more teams will be involved before the week of the state finals. The way it is now is once the regional's over, there's like 16 teams involved for the next two weeks. Yeah. Where now it's going to be more teams. So I see both sides of it. I think from an AD point of view, I used to be an AD. I think it's going to cost the winners a lot more money to go through it when you're traveling those long distance for the semi state and you got to stay overnight, mm-hmm. I think that's going to cost them a lot of money. So I'll tell you something that at- I didn't think about until I was at the uh, NABC clinic at uh, Purdue this last weekend, I was talking to Matt Britton, head coach at South Spencer. And he talked about the fact that now, for example, um, our sectional winner will still go to Ligoti for the regional and you'll still have the typical regional schools there at Lagodi playing two games. There'll be two separate regional championship games at Lagodi. Right. But, but let's say Doc Nash's team wins a sectional over at Borden, and they would typically come into that Lagodi regional. Well, if they're playing in the game that's opposite of us, that doesn't necessarily mean that we play in the semi-state. We might not play until the championship game of the semi-state. And – our winner of our regional game might play Indy, Indy Metropolitan. And I think that's where it gets to be what you said. It, it kind of gets away from that geographic rivalry that we had started to have with the regionals. Well, that's why you got the Lagodi regionals, one of the best in the state. Mm-hmm. And not only the best as far as the teams are competitive, but it's the best as far as interest. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to do away with it. Yeah. yeah. And so – that semi-state, wherever it's at, better be really good because you're doing away with something that back in the day worked in one class. Mm-hmm. And then now with class, it worked. Yeah. And now you're saying, well, it doesn't work good enough and we're going to do something else. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think that having more interest for the last two weeks is a good idea. But I think most of the times when, and I was part of the board, so, I was probably guilty of this myself as being a board member at the IHSA, but the more times that we piddle with things, many times they don't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, you know, I, I, uh, you know, if you go back to the history of four classes, Mm -hmm. I was involved in that. Yeah. I was involved in the meetings that went to this four class system, which, I mean, there was a lot of controversy back in the day about that. I mean, I, I, I can just, remember. I, yeah, people just couldn't believe that we, Indiana was doing it. And Kentucky laughs at me today when I still go down for the All Star game because there's still one class. Yeah. But you know, the the proponents, the people, the board members, the people that were involved back in the day, they had envisioned that we'll go to four classes and the state in time will probably the coaches and the principals and the future they were looking a generation ahead mm-hmm. they go it will go to four instead of three because then they have room to go back to three mm-hmm. never did it say we're going to four so we can end up with six <laughs> it never go in that direction yeah. so if you look at and it was just uh you know stuff that was printed that you know board members at that time 
they were envisioning the future and nobody thought it would go the other way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that five or six classes, it's just going to, people are going to lose interest. Yeah. And I, I, I hope that we're both wrong coach, but I, I think that's the way that it's going. Yeah. That may, it may be. And if it is, you know, I'm long out of it and it's okay, whatever they want to do. But I think what happened and that's what's so unique about the few of us wandering around, everybody remembers. In fact, it, we, after we won the state championship that night, I went over and talked to coach Whitty, gave him a hug. Cause we were good friends. Yeah. I walked back to the locker room and I told the assistants, I go carry that trophy. We're going out to the middle of the court. Uh -huh. And so they were sweeping up and, you know, there was maintenance people and they were kind of looking at us goofy and we were walking back out onto the court because they had that kind of like that air thing you had to go out of that air vent because yeah. of the Hoosier Dome. Mm -hmm. And so I walked out to the middle and I said, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I go, I just want all of you to stand here for a second and let's look around for about five or 10 seconds. And we did. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, okay, what I know officially is this. We are the last team standing. Yeah. We are the best they have to offer this year. Mm -hmm. And I think the more classes you have, what's going to happen is then people like yourself that works really hard and you get your team back, it's going to make it less mm -hmm. because more winners. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the end, it ends up hurting even the credibility of it because, well, there was one thing in being the best, you know, if it was the best of three or the best of four, but it's something else all totally different if it's the best out of six. Mm -hmm. And I just think that uh, it's going to hurt a lot of communities that love basketball. Coach, you know, uh, it's just part of what I guess the future is going to be. Yeah. Coach, you, you've coached in a lot of games and a lot of different places. Who's probably the most unique personality that you've ever coached against? If you, had to, uh, if you had to pick one know, guy. Well, I, I, I just thought the world of, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> he laughs at me every time I see him, but the only coach I never beat was George Griffith. Okay. And he played in two or three high-level games, and he beat me on all of them. Uh -huh. So I guess George was one that I think highly of to this day. We laugh because he can always say, Mike, you, I, you never beat me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so – uh, George Griffith because of the competition and I kept chasing him. And then, uh, Bill Harrell, I got to coach. We opened, uh, Jeffersonville and Muncie central. We opened, uh, banker's life. We opened, we were the first game in there. I did not know that. Dress rehearsal before the Pacers. Okay. And so Bill Harrell called me and said, heard you got a good team, Mike. And I said, I guess we're pretty good. He goes, well, let's play. So we went in there. And played the – there was two games that night. Chesterton was playing somebody, and then we played Muncie Central. Okay. And you, Bill Harrell was unique. He was a unique guy. And him and Bill Green, mm -hmm. I think of them a lot because they were at the top of the profession, and I was chasing them down. And, you know, fortunately, in that game, we beat, you know, Coach Harrell by about 10 points. And mm -hmm. I just got to see some of the guys that, you know, made it great. They made the game great mm -hmm. and uh, trying to chase them down. So those are a couple guys that, you know, I mean, Jim Miller at New Albany. Yeah. There wasn't a better coach than Jim Miller at New Albany. And we'd have these great battles. Mm -hmm. And when it was over, we would see each other at a restaurant. And we'd go and hug each other and say, hey, good game. Or whatever. <laughs> it was just kind of unique in the fact that there were people screaming and yelling because the Jeff New Albany game was yeah. standing room for 10 years. I was there. And yet, after the game, we could kind of go out and and have dinner together. Yeah, that that and is so, cool. Uh, there was a lot of neat people, and uh, they're still. I think this next generation, you guys, will have the same thing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just uh, part of one generation to the next. So, you know, Coach, I had Coach Shannon on the podcast here earlier this year, and and we talked a little bit about the Jeffersonville New Albany rivalry. Would you say that's the best rivalry you've ever been a part of? Yeah, I think so. I can remember Coach Shannon took the job in 98, and 
I'd been there, and uh, he had a really poor team the first year. That's hardly reason the job was open. And mm. so uh, he walked into my office, and you know we'd met a few times. And I said, "Well, I said you and I got to get along." I yeah. go, Coach Miller and I got along. Coach Unruh and I got along. Because if we don't get along, then these people go crazy up in the stands. And yeah. he laughed. He said, uh, "How crazy is it?" And I go, "You'll see." And, you know, as the years pass, I don't know if it's still as crazy as it was, but he got involved because there was uh, from 90 to 90, I think from 90 to 95 or 6, either New Albany or Jeff went to the finals every year. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, there's just a lot of expectation here. And then, uh, of course, he went through Romeo and there was a lot of expectation then. But, you know, he's a survivor because he's been there for 25 or so years and just won a lot of games. And I think he's made it, done a lot of good to the community, done a lot of good for the community. Yes, he has. You know, one of my favorite memories as a basketball fan was when I was a head coach at Wood Memorial, we took our kids down to play in the IBCA um, Challenge Cup back when that series was going on. And we were playing the next day, so we stopped to, to watch the New Albany-Jeffersonville game and – uh, it was just really neat being there in the doghouse and, and watching uh, Jeff in New Albany. And Romeo was a, a sophomore. Uh, but, a, but another funny story, he talked about Coach Shannon. I asked him about his first year at New Albany. I said, okay, so you, you, know, you leave Lebanon and you go to New Albany and you win seven, eight games in your first year. You know, how did it make you feel? And he goes, well, he, he said that – it was about what we expected. He said there was a reason the job was open. <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah. It was really down. You know, I don't know if it, it – I'm sure it's happened in Indiana history somewhere along the line. But in 92 for the regional final, uh, we, we ended up playing Richmond in the state finals. But in 92 for the regional final, we walk out there. New Albany walks out there. And it's at Seymour. And I think the gym – they had no seats at five o'clock and it's crazy in there. Uh-huh. And uh, I can remember looking out on the court and looking at coach Miller and going, wow, yeah. all 10 starters have signed division one. Wow. Then my first sub was signed as a running back at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I don't, you know, there's sometimes in Southern Indiana, now there's not two division one players in a year. Yeah. But on that particular day there was 10, 10 11 and when we picked the all-conference that year guys that made division one didn't make the first team that's crazy so it was it was crazy time but uh you know there was a lot of good players so coach you know you have worn a lot of hats now um you, you've been a high school basketball coach extremely successful uh indiana basketball hall of fame but you also talked about how you were an athletic director and an administrator. We have a lot of young assistant coaches that listen to the podcast. I'll get emails from them, text messages, messages on Twitter, just you know, thanking us for doing the podcast and, and appreciating the advice that coaches give. What advice would you give, maybe not just to aspiring assistant coaches who want to be head coaches, but just young coaches in general? Well, I think they need to talk less. And they need to listen more. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, the good Lord gave us one mouth and two ears. And I think as a system, <laughs> they don't realize that there's a big step going from that second seat to your seat. Uh-huh. And I just think that those assistant coaches that want to become head coaches, they're still uh, not only podcasts, but there's videos, there's clinics. And I always felt like if a coach thought he knew everything, mm-hmm. that was somebody I was going to beat. <laughs> and so I think that the young coaches, the future, they've got to really work at the game because the game is getting more exact. You have the huddle, you have things that I had at the University of Nebraska, but until there, you know, I drew things on a piece of paper back in the day. We had video, but the video was coarse and it was grainy. And now the world's out there for them to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing they need to do is they need to be themselves. Like just because I ran and I pushed the ball doesn't mean that's the right thing. Maybe a coach like Marty Johnson's a good friend of mine. They played slow. They made a number of passes and they defended. 
well, he was a really good coach doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that coaches got to find maybe as an assistant coach, they don't have to, when they go to be head coaches, do everything that they were at that other school with. Mm-hmm. They need to become themselves. They need to coach in a way that they think they can do it, mm-hmm. the way they think they can be successful. And what I notice is these young coaches get out and become head coaches, and it's the flavor of the day. Like back in my day, it was night motion. Well, I didn't like the motion because I didn't know who was going to shoot it all the time, so I made adjustments. Mm-hmm. Because at Hebron, I maybe had two guys that could shoot. Yeah. So I adjusted. And I think right now they kind of look at the five out and all this kind of stuff. And it's all great. If, you know, like at five out at Jeffersonville, if I got the five quickest guys, five outs, great. Mm-hmm. But they may get into a school where they have one guy that can really dribble. Yeah. So you got to set screens. You got to do some different things. And I think that what I notice is they need to learn to adjust more. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh about uh, people laugh that when I speak at clinics, I said, you know, you go in with a plan A mm-hmm. and at the first quarter, you're down 19 to nine, you may need to go to plan B. Mm-hmm. And then at the halftime, you may to go to plan C and after plan C, you're just going to get beat. <laughs> right? you're just gonna get beat. I think I like coaches, it. for the most part, those young ones, they have a world of information and they need to learn the game. They need to put the time in. They need to see what the good head coaches are doing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do this, I'm doing it 100% all out, or I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. You know, it's one thing that, that I have learned, and I don't consider myself to be the best coach in the world. But one thing I've learned over the years is I love four out, one in motion. Like, if you ask me what offensive system would you want to run if you could in a perfect world? That's I spent a lot of time breaking down Jay Wright stuff. But I don't have those guys every year. And so some years we've run swing. Some years we've run mover blocker. Some years we've, you know, we've toyed with the San Francisco point post this summer. And I think that's the advice that I would give coaches, especially offensively, is you have to run a system that, is going to be good for your players, but also that your players are going to buy into. Because, you know, I, there were some years where we tried to put some swing stuff in, and, and our guys just did not like a pattern offense. They didn't make very good reads out of it. So, you know, we had to make some adjustments throughout the year. But I think you're right. We, we've got a world of information at our fingertips out there on the Internet with Twitter. And you, you said something that I absolutely love. You have to be aware – and be leery of the flavor of the day. Uh, just because it looks good on TV doesn't mean it's going to look good on Friday night when your kids are running it. Now, that's exactly true. And, uh, you know, I think that there's, there's good young coaches coming. Yes. I think as long as they put the time in and the effort in. But, you know, to be a good coach in Indiana, I know that people don't want to hear this, but there's sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Your wife has to sacrifice. Your children have to sacrifice. There are sacrifices. Amen. If you're going to do it right, mm-hmm. if you're just going to do it as something to just do, then, you know, there may not be many sacrifices. But back in the day, the Heralds and the Griffiths and the Bill Greens and the Norm Hells, the Basil Mulvies, the Mike Broughtons, the Johnny Barrados, the Virgil Sweets, and on and on and on, the Phil Bucks and people like that. It was a livelihood. It was, you wanted to be successful, but you wanted to change people's lives, Mm -hmm. kids. You wanted to make a difference. And I always tell coaches, if you show them that you care and that you can hug them and talk to them and show them that, hey, you're important to me off the court, then the stuff on the court, they're more willing to do. I know the greatest compliment I got the year we won the state, I had all the seniors talk. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had a senior that started this season, and then I put him a sixth man mm-hmm. in the middle of the year, and he wasn't too far up about it. Yeah. And uh, he did it. We won. And at the banquet, I let him just talk, whatever they want. Every year, I let him just do whatever. Yeah. And uh, they made, he made the comment. He said, the one thing I can say about Coach is he cares about me whether I ever played or not. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, that's that's why we want. Yeah, absolutely. And so coaches have, but that's, 
you know, that's practice after practice. You got to sit with them. You got to talk to them in study hall. You got to hunt them up in the morning. You got to do those type of things to show that you're an important person to me, whether you could score 15 points a game or not. And I think a lot of coaches miss because of that. I really do. They think it's a three to six job. And when they do that, they're just not as successful. Absolutely. Yeah. 24, seven, 365. Doesn't matter whether you're in Destin, Florida on vacation or not. You're still the head basketball coach when you take that job. Coach, you, you oh, go ahead. No, that's exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, Coach, you spend a lot of time um, out. I don't want to say scouting, but you're you're looking for kids. You're looking for potential all stars, kids that are good character kids. You spend a lot of time going to games. How how many games do you see a year? Oh, with the huddle and games live, even during COVID, I saw over a hundred. Oh, wow! Now to the gyms I sat in, there might have been six people in there, but uh-huh. I. I could always get in the gym, usually somebody I know in all these towns. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, we start with a list of 40, mm-hmm. the boys, 40 to 45. And then, in fact, I'm doing it today. I set up a schedule of, okay, I need these huddle tapes. I need these lives. And then we kind of just start knocking them off as far as trying to get the thing down to about 20. Mm-hmm. And then when we, um, top 60 workout there may be a list of 18 and what I've done a little different I guess than the others is I go look I've been out wandering around all year these are these 10 unless you give me a really good reason I don't want you touching these 10 but these last three do you want to play fast do you want to play slow do you mm-hmm. want a shooter mm-hmm. on side do you want a defender if you want big, like last year's team, we didn't have much size. So mm-hmm. I go, if you want to play big, here are the choices. And I wrote them out for them. If you want to play little, here are the choices that can rebound, but they're not very big. Mm-hmm. So you three sit together. And after this workout, you tell me where we're going for this last couple guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so a couple times they surprised me, but that's part of them being a head coach. That's part of what they want to do for their to develop their team, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of big on uh, them behaving because as I sell sponsorships and stuff, I want to be able to say we've not always been able to say that over the last 50 years with the All Stars, but I want to be able to say that these kids will represent Indiana in a good fashion. Mm-hmm. And, and so, for the most part, my four years, they really have they played super hard. They have uh, – uh, the girls were 3-3. Three and three. Uh, We've lost twice by a point. The boys are 6-0. and oh. I think we're winning by an average of 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. And they uh, – last year's team was the smallest on record. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was post players the year before, and the year before that would have made easily made the team, but we didn't really have a lot of posts in the state. Yeah. So uh, the coaches decided to play small, and so we were 6-5 inside, 6-6, six, six, and – we just pretty much ran Kentucky down mm-hmm. in both games. Yeah, you it's did. It's just the flavor of the day. You know, yeah. it's what they want to do, mm-hmm. what they're comfortable with as coach, because I want them to have a good experience while they're there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, being in all those those games live, what, what would you say would be, if you said top five facilities, gyms, that you've had the fortune to be in over the years, what would your top five be? Well, I don't, I think Seymour, of course, I live here, so yeah. I think Seymour's great. It's a grand old gym, and it's in well, very well kept. Of course, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I think Newcastle's gym, you know, is fantastic. Uh, I like the gym up in Elkhart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some tradition to it. It's uh, a really nice gym. And then the one in Fort Wayne is also a very nice gym, but it's older. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think you can't play – the state finals in any better venue. I think you got to conclude Southport because they play so many big level games in the regional and semi state. But you know the granddaddy of them all. You can go to Southport or you can go to Richmond or you uh-huh. can go to Seymour, but the granddaddy of them is playing at the Fieldhouse downtown. And yeah. so uh, we're fortunate to have a, 
a, a state where the Pacers think enough of high school basketball that, you know, the last week in March, you can play there. Yeah. And no, so that's, there's a lot of, that's gyms, awesome. Uh, Anderson was good back in the day, but those gyms, uh, you know, like the hatchet house, I went to the Sima state last year and I mean, it's got some grand tradition too, mm-hmm. but again, all of those gyms are kind of a centerpiece to get you to the field house or the Hoosier dome when I was doing it or banker's life or now Gamebridge or whatever, where, mm-hmm. you know, you can test your metal, you know, prepare for a week and test your metal against, you know, the best team from the North, whatever. Coach, I, I typically ask when we're, we're talking to college coaches or high school coaches, like, Hey, if I'm going to come see a game there, um, you know, where do I need to go out to eat? And I asked Coach Shannon that, and he told me some places, but he said, don't go anywhere in Jeffersonville. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I'm going to ask you, you, you go out on the road, and you're like me, you like, to, you like to have a good meal. Where's one of your favorite places to eat at, or maybe two or three that you've, you've went to that are maybe just off the beaten path, but they're great places to stop and eat? Well, you know, I haven't really, uh, when I go, I actually, I go by myself a lot. Sometimes uh-huh. I'll take a guy with me and a lot of the trips on Tuesday night and stuff, if I travel like to Westview or to Fort Wayne, I'm kind of a guy, I don't really ever stop a whole lot. Uh, okay. There are probably some great places, but I kind of, I know from Seymour, like go to Fort Wayne, I got to leave at two. I get up there at six thirty. By the time I get out of there, it's probably Culver's on the way home. I'm getting a tender one. Culver's tender It's just too uh, far. Yeah. It's just too many trips a long distance. I mean, there's some good places in Jeff and, of course, New Albany. And uh, you go to Evansville, there's plenty of good places. But um, I'll tell you, I'm just in, kind of in too big a hurry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, Coach, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, what what is your big vision with the Indiana All-Star program? You know, you I, I think you've improved it in your three years. So you've, so you've already taken it kind of the next level. But what is something that you want to leave with the Indiana All-Star series that's kind of Mike Broughton's legacy? Well, we'd sure like to, you know, it's been at Gamebridge and uh, Southport was great. Mm-hmm. After Mates was great. Saving the game, really, going to Southport. But I think the kids want to play in the field house. And so our hope is that we can someday go back there. And we've even – we're doodling with possibly having a futures game. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be the best ninth, 10th, and 11th graders in the state of Indiana that uh, I guess in, I guess as I envision it, I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, the all-star teams practice from 9.30 to 10.15 and 10.15 to 11, they go in and shoot around mm-hmm. the Indiana team. Yeah. Uh, we don't really like Kentucky in there that day. Uh, they don't really let us in theirs down there, so we just show up and play. And then maybe having a 12 or 12.30 start where the girls, north, south, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, at 2 o'clock, 2.15, we'd have the boys game, futures, 9th, 10th, and 11th. And then we would have a five o'clock start for the all-star girls game and a seven thirty start for the boys. And not only bring back Indiana all-stars from the past, but we're really thinking about trying to bring back uh, a lot of the Mr. Basketball. So people uh, can get autographs, uh, maybe have a table set up where they can sign autographs, balls and different things like that so that we can bring back, uh, I, I guess I envision the best Indiana has. Mm-hmm. And so we'd have Mr. and Miss Basketball's back. We'd have the past. We'd have the game actually going on that day. And then we would have the future, the kids being recruited, Division One by, you know, Indiana's and Notre Dame's and Ball State's and all of those playing in that futures game. So, it would be like a full day of hoops. It's kind of like what the ISSA did with the basketball in Indiana. Well, I think we can take that to a, even a better level because we can have the best of the best of Indiana. Absolutely. The best coach, the best players, the best Kentucky has, and then the best 
of the best of the past. Mm-hmm. But that's—I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping that we can do that. But yeah. in order to do that, I'm going to have to get some sponsors. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get some people that are going to be able to support because. You know, it's a large undertaking. Absolutely. And you, you do a phenomenal job. I know you have a great staff, uh, but you are the guy that's in, in, in charge of this. And you've done a great job, like I said, over the last three years. And I'm really excited about the stuff that, you know, you just talked about. I, I think those are great additions to make what is historically or has historically been one of the most special things, not just in Indiana high school basketball, but in basketball across the country so coach thank you so much for being on with us today and uh, best of luck to you and the continued success with the all-star series well best of luck to all of you down south i love going to games down there and uh so i kind of pop in and out maybe i'll see uh you guys and north davies and washington and all them play this season and if not coach i know we'll run into each other somewhere doing something for the ibca so again thanks for being on with us today well, thank you very much, and keep up the good work. All right, Coach. Hey, thank you. Shocking it from the Cheap Seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812 204 3808 or visit bsnsports.com.